Welcome back to the What's Up and What's Next podcast, the greatest podcast of all times. And today I am joined by a really good friend of mine and a very, very experienced person in the industry when it comes to project management and other amazing professional experiences he's had. Welcome, Divyesh. Thank you. Good to have you here. How are you? I'm very well, thanks. Awesome. So I'd like us to, you know, tell us a bit more about yourself, because I know you quite well, but people that may be listening to this might not know you as well as I do. So uh, feel free to tell us a bit about yourself and your background. Okay, so I initially started uh, in IT in the early 90s, believe it or not. Um, you know, I don't, I, 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 I did a lot of work on, on PCs and servers and, and big kind of environments of that nature. Um, and I actually did that for many, many years. Uh, and it was only probably in the last kind of six years that I decided to really push towards um, project management. Um, and I was given the opportunity while I was working for Experian um, where I uh, dropped out of my current role for three months and worked as a project manager temporarily um, and really, really enjoyed it. Uh, and that was basically the start of where I wanted to go. So as soon as an opportunity came up in the project management team, the manager of that team contacted me and you know, next thing you know, I became a project manager. Um, so I worked generally in Waterfall for for most of my early career in project management. Uh, but while I was at Experian, I was given the opportunity to work within Agile and Scrum. Uh, and actually, that's where my passion for working Agile, Agile mindsets came into play. Uh, and then my career started going in that direction. So I was every opportunity I could within Scrum. I was joining um, different Scrum groups. Um, different meetups just to kind of learn more and more about it and become good at what I'm doing. Um, so that then I started working as a scrum master for another company. And then from that job, I came to the um, same place as, as you and ended up um, having you working for me. <laughs> yes, uh, somehow you ended up being my manager. <laughs> good stuff. That, uh, that was a pretty good uh, overall uh, background. Uh, there was even stuff that I actually didn't know. So <laughs> we, we learn something new every day. That's pretty cool. I want to dive a bit more into project management. I understand that your early career wasn't exactly in project management, but then when you shifted and you've now been fully embedded in project management and the methodologies around there, that's been pretty much your career right now and that's where you're heading. So I want to dive into that. Currently, there's a few different project management methodologies that are pretty spoken about. I'd like to cover maybe a few of them at a the high level. So there's Prince 2, there's Agile, there's also Lean, but Lean is like a methodology or an approach from Agile as well. So I'd like us to speak about that. We can touch as well on Scrum and Kanban because they are the most popular Agile methodologies. But if we just leave Agile for, for last, let's speak about Prince 2. What is Prince 2 and can you give us uh, a definition and an example of where it can be used as well. So um, Prince2 works very, very well in a fixed task-based project. When I say a fixed task-based project, I mean, for example, house building, right? Where you know what your end product is and you're not going to deviate from your end product. 
you know, exactly this is what it's going to be. This is how it needs to be built. These are the steps that I need to lead to get to it. Um, so one of the prints, one of the things about prints too, it's, it's what we call waterfall, right? So you, you, you do all your planning up front. Um, you set a bunch of milestones as you go on, um, ultimately to lead to a final goal. Now, when the best, one of the things with um, prints too is they are very much pre-planned to completion uh, and you follow through as you go through. You have weekly stakeholder meetings, you uh, track your risk log, your issue log, um, even change logs. So if there's anything that does need to change, it has to go through the process of going back to the change board. The change board then determines whether it needs to be, or the stakeholders decide whether it's something you can do or they want to carry on the same way. Um, one of the downsides I've found to Prince 2 is because you do all your planning up front and depending on how long it actually takes you to get to the final product, you never really know whether the final product is still what you need, what you needed two years ago or three years ago, for example. Um, and there's a very good chance that you could do a bunch of work and BT is a great example of this. And uh, when BT first started their, their rollout of, of fiber services, they used Prince2 as a, as a way of doing it. They pre-planned how they were going to do it. They went and set a bunch of milestones and tried doing it. Five, six, seven years later, they barely got, you know, 15, 20% of where they need to be. From my understanding, you know, don't quote me on those things, but that's kind of where I understood. And then they decided, somebody went into there and said, look, you're doing this wrong for the type of business you need. You need to be a bit more versatile. You need to be able to move and you need to uh, change. Sometimes you might need to change direction quite regularly. Um, so then they started going down the agile route as well. Um, but yeah, it, it is sometimes you don't know if the result is going to be what you want because you don't really see it till the end. You can go in and show diagrams, you can show in and talk about it, but nobody actually sees the final product until it's done. I see. So, and back to, just to highlight the example that you've given, that's from your understanding uh, and from your opinion. So just to highlight that, um, what I just got here in, in terms of what you said about Prince2 is that there's a lot of design up front and it's a useful methodology for times where you are 200%, not 100%, but 200% that this is what the final product will be. And that's something that, especially in software project manage, uh, software projects, doesn't often happen often because the goal is always a moving goal and it's an ever-changing. Yeah. So Prince2 is very useful for those cases where you're 200% sure that this will not change uh, at all. So that's pretty good uh, explanation. Thank you for the examples as well. Appreciate that. So in that sense, and you've mentioned Agile, so let's get into that straight away. So what is Agile? And then can we perhaps speak about a few of those uh, Agile approaches? But I want to understand Agile as overall. Or I want people listening to this to understand Agile as an overall. So an Agile isn't a methodology. Agile is a mindset. A concept. Right? Uh, yeah, it's a concept. You have to be able to inspect, adapt to to the changing environment around you. Um, agile is short, sweet iterations of work. You know? You, you know what you have to deliver. 
um, and that can be in stages. So, for example, as you mentioned, if you discussed software earlier, say if you're building a an app to, I don't know, search for a tradesman on the app, right? That app is going to consist of multiple parts to it. So, for one, it needs to hold a, a tradesman database. For two, it needs to have a search facility. Three, you probably need a, a login facility for somebody to log, you know, to log on and, and register their interest. Four, you need the functionality to then contact the people. Um, just as a brief breakdown of this, right? So the ultimate goal is to create an app, but the app has got multiple parts in it. So with Agile, or with Scrum, which is the most popular form of Agile at the moment, you say, right, well, the first thing I'm going to do is I'm going to build a custom database, right? So that could be your two-week piece of work. You know, so two week sprint, you build that database, you have something you can show, you know, you have a minimal via, minimum viable product that you can give to a customer and say, look, here is the first part of it. This is stage one of your project. This is your database, right? So the customer is starting to see this build. You know, it's like they're seeing the bricks being laid one by one at each stage and they're seeing how the door's going to look. They're going to see how the windows are going to look, you know, before they even get to the final product. Um, so the idea behind Agile is that you can say you can start building this and say, for example, if you're in the database, I've built the database and in the database, they wanted to have the customer's first name, surname, mobile number, location, right? But actually, when they got that, they see that and think, oh, actually, I want more information. There's not enough on there, actually. I thought it was enough, but now I've seen it. Actually, I want more. So then you can actually then go back and revisit that and then add another iteration of it and change it up until the customer is happy. And you can keep doing that with every part of work that you're doing. Um, and what it do is it, it, it will basically mean the customer can see what's being built for them at each stage. I see. So okay. it's about increasing that customer uh, feedback loop uh, as well. Yes. You said Agile is a mindset, uh, a concept, a mindset. So there's four main principles, as far as I'm aware, uh, for um, Agile. There's, it's called the yep. Agile Manifesto. I'm sure a lot of people will, have, right. mm -hmm. will have heard about it. It basically stems from four main uh, statements that guide the principles of Agile. And once again, Agile is more like a mindset. So it's individuals yep. and inter interactions over processes and tools. It's working software over comprehensive documentation. And it's customer collaboration over contract negotiation. And last but not least, responding to change over following a plan. So we always, it's not that we don't value the, the, the right side as much as the left, but it's just that we prefer the, or we value slightly a bit more the yep. left over the and, right. And the ultimate goal in the manifesto is working software. Exactly. So quality is very, very important. Exactly. You know, in, in the four in the four four items in the Agile manifesto, you know, you've got your customer collaboration, as you said, you've got individual interactions, you've got your you're responding to change and adaptation, but ultimately you're trying to give somebody a working product that is tested and they can be happy with straight away. So that's Agile. And under that umbrella, so if we pretend Agile is an umbrella and there's you know loads of things under that umbrella. You mentioned Scrum, right? Yeah. The way Scrum works, and it's probably one of the most popular ones for sure under Agile, it's about 
getting those iterations in, getting that feedback loop with the customer, increasing not just the speed of the delivery, but also the quality. And there's a few ceremonies that are carried out as a part of Scrum. Maybe we could yeah. just quickly go over each ceremony that Scrum, which is a methodology of Agile, adopts and uh, embraces in the in the way that it works. Could you tell us a bit more about that? Okay, so um, there are there are ceremonies and big ceremonies that you do, um, but ultimately uh, you start off with a backlog of items that need to be built, right? These backlog this backlog of items needs to be prioritised by somebody, and that that person is usually the product owner, and the product owner acts as a customer, so they know what the customer wants and they're working towards the customer's goals, right? Um, so then you've got your backlog. From your backlog, you then have a, a session about what needs to be put in. So you have a planning session of what's going to go in this sprint. Yeah. And um, to, re- to reiterate, uh, sprints are periods of time in which you will deliver a, 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 mi- a minimal viable product. So that, that period of time could be a two-week period of time, a three weeks. So that's set out with the team. And those are yeah. iterations, mm-hmm. right? That's it, yeah. But it's actually it's agreed amongst all the parties involved. So it's agreed by the the development team as well as the customer and the product owner and stuff like that. So it's a it's an accepted um, cycle of time to cross to deliver a piece of work. Um, once you've done your planning, um, we then go into the actual development itself. Um, now the development can be obviously you have a backlog of stuff. You have a sprint backlog. You have a backlog. The backlog is what you agreed the customer wants. The sprint backlog is then a breakdown of your stories. Your your stories are basically your your items, your tasks that you're building and working towards, right? Um, and basically we work through the tasks in order to deliver that one story, right? And it could be two or three different stories, um, but you should be working through them in priorities. So you said we started off with a planning session. The point of that planning session, which is one of the scrum ceremonies, is to understand from the overall product backlog, which contains everything that the customer wants, what are we going to take away from this product backlog and chuck it into another backlog, which is called the sprint backlog, which is what the team has agreed to commit to deliver as an MVP by the end of the sprint, whether that be a two-week sprint or a three-week sprint. So in the backlog, you have a priority order, all right? So this is what the customer said they want by when, right? Now, as a development team, you look at this and you think, well, actually, that piece of work is very, very big. It's going to take us a whole sprint to deliver that, right? That is then agreed that this is what we're going to deliver in the sprint. So the product owner who represents the customer um, We'll turn around and say, okay, we agree that this is all that can be delivered due to the resourcing, um, due to the time window and everything that we have. This is all that we can deliver. Those are the items that can go into your sprint backlog, right? So you always take it from the top of the priority list and you work your way down based on the customer's urgencies and requirements. So your sprint backlog is what you can fit in that two or three week window based on your estimates, your timing, capacity, um, and, yeah, and the understanding of what the product could be. Okay. Within those two weeks or three weeks, within the sprint, another ceremony that we carry out as a part of Scrum is called the Daily Scrum, also known as the Daily Stand-Up. Could you explain briefly what that is? So the Daily Stand-Up is an opportunity for each member of the development team, and the development team 
comp can comprise of developers, uh, QAs, business analysts, um, generally anybody that works on the product development side, side of this. Mm -hmm. And it's an opportunity for the teams to just discuss uh, about what they, were, what they did yesterday, what they plan to do today, and if they've had any problems. Right? And this is the daily, daily, daily meeting, and it's time box usually to 15 minutes. So, so everyone has and about what one minute ish, one minute and a half to talk. That depends on the size of the team. Depends yeah. on the team. Okay. Yeah, it depends on the size of the team, but you 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 do try, um, you try and fit as much as you can, and it doesn't have to take fifteen minutes. It can take five, right? But you should never go over fifteen minutes on a on a daily stand up. If you find that a conversation is happening where Eric, the developer, is saying, "Ah, oh, you know, I've been developing this piece of work at the moment." Um, but I've not been able to figure this out. I've not been able to figure this out. It's taken me longer than I thought it was going to take. Um, you know, uh, it's an opportunity for me as a Scrum Master, for example, to understand that there's a possible risk to delivering that item on time. It's also an opportunity for other members of the team to step in and say, actually, I think I might help be able to help you on that one. Let's take this away and we'll discuss it. We'll get through it. It's an opportunity for us to figure out a problem, deal with a solution, figure out a problem, come up with a solution, and and ultimately try and meet the, the overall goal of delivering those items in that sprint. So it's a means to being able to have the team on the same page on a daily basis. So everyone knows what everyone's yes. up to. Everyone knows if there's any problems that can try and support and help each other. And sort of you yep. conduct that meeting um in that time box manner in 15 minutes to be as concise as yeah. possible. Now, one of the interesting facts about why it's carried out as a, you know, a circle of people standing up as opposed to a circle of people sitting down is because sitting down, people feel generally more relaxed. And when that happens, you subconsciously take more time uh, when you getting your ideas across. Whereas if you're standing, subconsciously you will want to be as concise as possible so it's it's a subconscious thing from what i've heard and that's why it's carried out uh, as a stand-up and you're standing up so that you are as concise as possible subconsciously now that was yeah. a good explanation uh, about the daily scrum right? a daily stand-up a daily stand-up can be sat down but it shouldn't be at your desk the problem with doing it at your desk is there are too many distractions in front of you Got right. it, got it. Mm -hmm. right. The idea is to step away from your desk to discuss just these three things. And that's what Scrum is about. What am I doing? What did I, what did I do yesterday? What am I doing today? Have I had any problems? Right. Oh, awesome. They're, they're, they're literally three things, right? And the reason we do that is it's just it gives people an opportunity to understand where things stand. It gives people an opportunity to help resolve impediment issues it helps me as a scrum master stop blocking stop you know things stop things from blocking you for example i'm not been able to develop this because i need to talk to the payments team and the payments team are too busy and this that and the other right mm -hmm. that's a you you've told me that in two minutes but it's an opportunity for me to say well actually i know somebody at the payments team let me go and talk to them for you let me go get that problem resolved for you and next thing you know, you're now carrying on. You're back in a position where you can deliver and achieve what it is you're trying to achieve. Yes, okay. Yeah, that makes totally sense. Another ceremony. This is normally carried out at the end of the sprint. 
it's called the sprint retrospective and today we'll probably not cover sprint review because there's other topics that i'd like to go into i don't want this to be just a scrum um podcast i have another person coming in for that at some point <laughs> um, but yeah sprint retrospective what is it so sprint retrospective is an opportunity for the team to actually sit down and reflect on how things went in the last sprint. It's also an opportunity to help the team understand or come up with a solution, and it's up to the team to come up with a solution of how to resolve some of the, the issues that they had. The idea behind the sprint retrospective is the further you go through things, the further you go through to the development cycle, the better, the quicker, the more efficient that you will get because you're getting rid of problems that you identified in the last sprint. So it's so like a reflection. A it's a reflection time yeah. where the team gets together, understands what went good and what went not so good and how can we as a team improve that for the next sprint and make sure that yes. this, this and that doesn't happen again. So it's a reflection type of uh, based it approach. It is. So it's to meeting. reflect on. But it's also one of the things that people make mistakes with retrospectives is they, they use it as an opportunity to whinge and complain and moan about things. It's not that. A retrospective is an opportunity for you as a team to be able to resolve issues that are in your control. Right? Because you're not going to resolve issues that aren't in your control. Yeah, You can highlight them and people can go deal with them, but it's an opportunity for you to turn around and say, and it doesn't have to be issues. You could have the perfect sprint. You could actually turn around and say, we've had a great time. Let's have a party. There's your retrospective. <laughs> you know? yeah. it, it doesn't really matter. If you've had a really good sprint, who says you have to complain all the time? It's just an opportunity to reflect on your achievements and look at ways to achieve more and be better. I see. I think the 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 key is about being constructive. I think like yes. th th that's what you you're getting at with the whole instead of complaining and sort of bringing the problem, try and bring a problem and also bring the solution with it, or at least yeah. bring some ideas around how we can make it better for next time. But interesting, thank yeah. you. So like I said, we're not covering sprint review. Yes, we are aware there is a sprint review in Scrum for anyone listening that is a Scrum purist, um, but we will save that for another, another time. Let's talk Kanban. And actually, let's just cover it quite briefly because I would like to touch upon Lean. But I would like to speak about Kanban a bit, if I may, take over for a bit, Okay. from my understanding. So, again, suitable situations where Scrum is apl applicable is normally in situations where you have stability to commit to work for every sprint. It's about stability, it's about also if you're interested in increasing that feedback loop with the customer in delivering value early on to the customer. Um, so it's a, a mixture of quality, speed and making sure the customer is always aware of what's, what's going on. Kanban, on the other hand, serves the purpose for projects that may not have that stability. So projects that may need to reprioritize or shift priorities at the last minute or very suddenly, which is something that in Scrum sometimes, and this is like pure Scrum, sometimes is not possible because normally you have to wait until the end of the sprint to change things around or reprioritize. Whereas with Kanban, you can do it on the on on the get on the fly, and you have the Kanban board, the famous Kanban board, which a lot of Scrum teams adopt as well as a part of their uh, their processes. But the Kanban board is effectively just a 
a board where you can visualize all of your work. What's, what's, what are the tasks that haven't been started? What are the tasks that are currently in progress? What's in review? What's in test? What is completed? So it's an overview. It gives you the bigger picture, which is what a lot of teams need to do um, for most times. They need to see the bigger picture. They can't just look at a small picture of the project. They need to understand the bigger picture and where we are with that bigger picture. So that's my understanding of Kanban. Don't want to get too deeply into it, but I, c I can definitely say that both Scrum and Kanban are very useful methodologies in the context they're applicable to. I've been in teams that have adopted both. So um, really love uh, those methodologies. Yes. Kan Kanban, just kind of to add to that very, very quickly, Kanban is about continuous integration and continuous delivery. You just keep flowing. You don't stop. You have a backlog, you bring things in, you carry on. You don't have you don't have to work on sprint windows you don't have to do any of that stuff you just have to make sure that the work is getting done in priority order and everybody has got enough work to do it's a continuous cycle so as opposed to scrum where you have two weeks or three weeks of time frame to deliver a specific mvp with kanban it's a continuous cycle of work that you pick up yeah. on priority basis and you do it as you go along let's talk yeah. lean lean i'm very 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 interested in lean so let's talk okay. lean Lean, as I understand as well, like Kanban and Scrum, is a, it was born out of the Agile. So it's a methodology or an approach from Agile. Can you explain what Lean is and when is Lean applicable? So Lean's got five principles to Lean. Define the value, map the value stream, make the process flow, pull from the customer, work towards perfection, right? That, that's what you try and do is achieve the ultimate goal, which is perfection, right? Um, you have a list of items, just like Scrum, just like Agile, just like Kanban, sorry. You have a backlog of items that you're trying to work towards delivering, right? Um, but what you do is you deliver these items in what you think is the most priority order, the most important, the most valuable at the time, right? Uh, leading to an ultimate product. Right. Um, you don't pick anything out of um, you don't pick anything out of the backlog unless the customer says they want it. So a customer could come down and say, "I want fifty million things," right? But that's just the customer brainstorming the fifty million things that they want, right? Lean is a way of you being able to know what the customer needs at that time, deliver what the customer needs at that time. Um, and it's a streamlined process of, of delivering um, a product. Can you, give, again, can, can you give us an example of when we would apply lean and why? Um, I think the lean principles would probably use a lot in the car manufacturing industry. Okay. Right? Um, because... They could have a bunch of, of items, a bunch of cars that need to be built. And uh, we, we probably could do with uh, checking a bit more detail into this. But my understanding is that it was an opportunity um, for organizations to set a running flow of things. Um, but to, at the end of each level, you're delivering something of, of high value. Right? Um, for example, I want to build a, a base model car. That's your first product. Actually, now I want to make that car more fancy. I want bigger wheels on it. I want better, better technology in it. I want better this, better that. That's your next cycle of it. So it's about, you can have the same car, but you can have various different iterations of the same vehicle for 
whatever is necessary. Okay. Um, whatever so, the requirement. So it's about like the word stems from. It's about staying lean. So uh, yeah, I'm gonna give an example, and you tell me if I'm right in the right mindset. For example, so I've started this podcast idea. Obviously, I want to use it as a way of providing content delivery, educating, entertaining, and inspiring people. That's the motto. That's what we stand for. Um, uh-huh. I, I would I would love to have a website which. By the time people will be listening to this, I already have that. So I also want a mobile app. Let's, let, uh, let's just pretend I want that. I want a mobile app. I want this and that. So if we apply lean concepts to this example I just gave, the first thing that I understand is, first of all, if I'm going to be lean with this personal project of mine, which is the podcast, I need to understand what do I really need at this point in time. So at this point in time, I need to be able to have a way of posting my uh, my podcasts to the main current platforms that is done to using a hosting platform for podcasts. If I really, really need a website because of a branding uh, situation or because I want to give people opportunity to reach out to us in an easier way, then a website seems to be perfectly fine. Mobile app and any, 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 any other type of application seems like overkill. So according to the lean principles, I would not go, I would not be doing mobile apps right now for example because no. it's not stay i'm not staying lean if i'm doing that i'm, I'm trying to go no. over the top right is that correct yeah and you're not gonna if you were to build everything in one hit right now right you're not going to get value from everything in one go right oh, okay your whole mentality should be about what's going to give me the most return on my investment at this point and then that will change as time goes on Right? So the website's first, and suddenly you've got 100,000 visitors to your website a week. You're like, actually, I'm getting quite popular now. People know who I am. Right? Let me now get a mobile app, because that mobile app's going to sell really, really well now, because people know who I am. Right? So then you'd go do that. And then you'd be like, well, actually, now I want to run a couple of webinars or seminars that I want people to get involved in. You know, I'm going to want people to come out and speak to me. There's your next stage. The more popular, the more things that you get, the more value that it brings to you. It's it's about adding on where things when necessary, as opposed to just from the beginning. Okay, got it. By the way, guys, you heard it from Diviash. This platform will reach a hundred thousand people. You heard it here first. <laughs> okay, so it's about only really doing what is really necessary at that point in time. That's one of yeah. the the things that Lean stands for. Awesome. Uh-huh. I want to get into one of the last things for today, which is understanding a bit about project management because project management is about people so people will say project management is about projects and you know fair point and probably true to an extent but i also think project management is about people and that's one of the things i'm so passionate about project management myself although i'm a developer because i understand that it's a people thing right it's about people and one of the questions i want to ask you today is is there a perfect set of qualities or an ideal set of qualities that make a good manager? What what makes a good manager? So being a manager, being a project manager are two totally different things. Right. Project management is about building relationships with the people that you need to work with. Project management is about working working effectively working the room, working the people around you, making sure that you're getting the best out of them. Um, it's not about it's not necessarily about people management. It's about 
getting the best out of the people as opposed to managing the people. Yeah, okay. Um, That's exactly what I was going with. Okay, keep going. Yeah. <laughs> I'm loving this. <laughs> yeah. Um, and I think one of the good things about a good project manager, manage, a project manager with, with good qualities, for me, is somebody that can get through to the masses, get through to the people of all levels. If I need to talk to a director, I'm not afraid to do that. But I can get the best out of that director, you know. If I need to talk to an engineer on the ground, I should be able to do that and get the best out of that engineer. You know, for me, being a project manager is trying to get the best out of everybody that's working on your project. Get the best out of what you're trying to deliver. Mm-hmm. No, that sounds really important. I agree with you. I also think understanding is a quality that I think every manager or every person in general should have. I think especially managers, if you have to work with people and you have to manage people, in whether that be a software project management or just a normal project, I feel like understanding is one of the biggest things because you should be able to put yourself in someone else's position in someone else's shoes and understand their points of views as well as yours. And I think it's, it's a balance. It's a balancing act in that sense. You've got to learn. You've got to listen to people. people. The people that are working in these areas know these areas. They are the experts. They're the SMEs in these days, right? I might say that I want to build a server with, you know, 23,000 CPUs. Because I just want to do it, right? <laughs> it's up to, right? It, it, it's not practical, is it? So the idea is talk to the people you work with, understand what they know, learn from them. Because you're, you're not going to be a good project manager if you're not listening, you're not learning, you're, and as you say, you're not understanding where they're coming from. And right? That leads me and to that leads me to my last question, which is, what is the difference between a leader? And the boss. So, my my view, a boss is old school. It's old school mentality. You know, in a shop, you're working as a boss. You're telling people, do this, do this, do this, get it done. In a factory, you're saying, right, we need to get A, B, C, and D and done. Go do it. You go do A. You go do B. You go do C. You're saying. I don't think that's as me personally. I would never call myself a boss. I would call myself a leader. You know, my. My whole personality, my whole mentality and view is I need to work with you to get the best out of you. I need to work with you to guide you in the right direction. I need you to want to achieve more because if you want to achieve more, you're going to put that 110% into it. And I think just going around telling people what to do isn't going to get 110% out of it. You want to allow people to think. You want to allow people to... um, no, let's just, if I've got a minute, let's talk about two things, right? There's a thing called a, um, so there's two types of mindsets, right? So there's a fixed mindset and there's a growth mindset, right? I want my people to grow and I want them to think about growing. I don't want my people to work in a fixed way because I think that just, that, that works in task-based stuff. It doesn't work in knowledge-based stuff. And as a leader, I want to make sure that I'm building knowledge with my team and helping my team grow. So it's not so much about having people work for you, it's about having people work with you, the keyword being with. Yes. I written uh, an article some time, a while, uh, some time ago uh, called, um, I think it was called The True Leadership Balance. And it touched upon a few things that, in my opinion, are really important. One of them being never be above them or below them, be one of them. 
and that and that speaks to the whole of working with them as opposed of having them feel like they work for you although in maybe in a hierarchical and professional one maybe that is the case but if you can make them feel like you're one of them that's a win-win situation another thing i also mentioned was lead but be led that means that you may have a vision but if your team has a different vision and they have ideas you should be listening to them so it's about being able to manage that and i think i'm glad you mentioned that because i do believe that boss is old school and i hope that you know we see more leaders um these days than we would see bosses i i, I could only hope that we could see that in the 21st century uh, but yeah uh, leadership is a really strong strong concept and i think people get the most out of any situation when they have that leadership and uh, that growth mindset it comes comes back to the growth mindset diviesh as we coming to an end uh want to say first of all i appreciate your time today always a pleasure talking to you i i think we always find an excuse and every and single excuse just to sit down and talk <laughs> Yeah. So it, it is great. Is there any And we always we always go over time as well, don't we? Yeah, we always do. For, for <laughs> anyone that's going that the listens to is that knows us is going to be laughing at that one. Uh we do go over time. I I want to to ask you is there any any socials you want to drop? Maybe LinkedIn where people can reach out to you if they want to talk about anything or is do you want to keep that to yourself? Up to you. No, no, I mean yeah, so I have my own LinkedIn profile. Um <coughs> it's Diviesh Majaria, just search me and you'll I'll come up. Um, I am, uh, you know, I'm, I'm training to become a agile coach uh, to to which is where I want to take my career. Um, ultimately, I am a huge, huge agile fan. Um, that that actually I, covers what I was going to ask. I was going to ask for a final question: What's up and what's next for you, Diviesh? Okay, so um, at the moment I am currently working towards getting my certified Scrum professional qualification, uh, and certified, um, yeah, certified Scrum professional is what I'm trying to get to. Um, I'm also currently working on um, agile coaching as, as an area of, of kind of growth, um, with an ultimate goal to become a certified um, Scrum trainer, which will take me a few years. But, you know, that, that's what I'm going through. And I'm, I'm going to put myself out there on LinkedIn soon as well for people to, to, to support, co-host any sort of coaching, any sort of uh, meetup groups, um, just to kind of get exposure and experience to those areas myself. That sounds amazing. Uh, wish you all the best. Uh, as a close friend of mine, I want to see you strive so i hope uh, you do strive in those areas that you're trying to pursue right now in terms of becoming becoming a certified coach and getting more involved with agile because we know you love agile that's a fact you love yeah. agile and so do i to be fair so it's great really appreciate your time today if you guys have enjoyed today's episode please make sure to listen to the next podcast to find out what's up and what's next